Well, good evening. Hi, everyone. I'm excited about tonight. Uh, Luna, Carlo, thank you for that sweet, precious worship. Holy and the power of God and the name above all names. That was awesome. Thank you guys so much for, you know, it, uh, it says, and, and I think Andrew hit this on Sunday, but in, in Hebrews chapter 13, we're talking about, you know, that idea of like sacrifice in worship. And it says that the, the sacrifice of our lips, and then it, and it says, singing our praise to God. It says it's pleasing to the Lord. And then the writer of Hebrews tags onto that, and also the doing of good works. He's like, these two things together, the sacrifice of our lips and the doing of good works, but specifically the songs of praise to God, it's pleasing to the Lord. And I just always like to rephrase that as, it makes God smile. It makes him smile on his throne. It brings, it brings pleasure to his heart. And so anyway, so we did that. And thank you guys for leading us in that. I'll put down my red pencil. I need to go buy pencils that don't look like I'm still in elementary school. But I have a lot of elementary school kids in my house, so I have a lot of pencils that makes me... <laughs> The neon red pencil. <laughs> I'm just glad it's 0.7 because once you get a 0.9 pencil in your Bible, you're like, this is too thick. But then the 0.5s are too thin. They tear your page. 0.7 if you're writing pencil in your Bible. It's just the way. Amen. Yeah. Steve, did you hear that? Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to put down my elementary pencil. Um, <laughs> why don't we just pray before we enter in here? Uh, everyone can... Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We're going to kind of camp out in Romans 12. And, and if you have a way to take notes tonight, I would actually encourage you. We don't have any scriptures on the board, but, but we're going to be jumping around probably to some different passages. And, and just to be able to write them down, I, I've, of course, we've all done this for years, but just write down the passages and then you go back afterwards and read them for yourself and pray into them and and kind of be that Berean, make sure, you know, the person teaching the Word of God is actually teaching it <laughs> rightly and in context. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Like, you heard a sermon, and you went to the Bible, and you're like, I don't think it says that, you know. Anyway, that's not going to be tonight, but if it is, if it is. <laughs> but uh, we're going we're gonna to launch from Romans chapter 12 and just kind of see where the Lord takes us tonight. But let's pray for his leadership. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to renew our minds according to the will of God, according to his word. And as we ask for this, we get that it's like that 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 next line of code is written on our hearts or those that next scale falls from our eyes and we see who the Lord is and we see who we are with greater clarity. So Lord, we come before you tonight. We ask you for a, uh, that Ephesians 1, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of wisdom. You are the spirit of, of revelation. Holy Spirit, you are our counselor. You reveal who God is to us. Not just head knowledge, but you reveal intimate knowledge. You draw near to us and we encounter the heart of the Father. We encounter the heart of Jesus, when you come and open our minds, when you come and renew our minds, we cannot do this on our own. We need your help, Holy Spirit. We need to see through your eyes. We need to hear these words through your ears. We need your interpretation. We need it to come alive in our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. So fan into flame right now that fire of God inside of us, that gift of of God inside of us. Holy Spirit, you who help us to think rightly. You're the spirit of power and love and you give us the sound mind to think rightly of who Jesus is, to think rightly of the season that we're living in. Right now, Holy Spirit, we say, come and have your way. Come and have your way. Holy Spirit, come. Rise up within us Bring revelation 
to who Jesus is right now. Let's just wait on the Lord for a second. Let's just ask him to increase his presence. More, Lord. More, Lord. What Tracy spoke about last week, face-to-face encounter with you through the Holy Spirit. Spirit of understanding, we need you tonight. We need you for our own lives. We need you for our families. We need you for this corporate body. We need you for our city. We need you for our nation. Spirit of understanding, we invite you to give us living understanding, birthed from heaven, birthed from the throne room tonight. Who come. Come, Lord. We thank you and we give you all the glory tonight. We thank you for what you're going to do. Guys, I just, I feel like the Lord wants to move in power, wants to move in glory tonight, wants to move, draw us in, let us encounter his love again. I just want to invite you as we, as we go through these scriptures, let's go through them with a hungry heart, looking for the Lord to break out in glory tonight, looking for the Lord to move in our hearts tonight, but also just to move amongst us as a people tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So, um, it's interesting because when we kind of relaunched Wednesday night, we, what we had on our heart was uh, that we would be activated in the gifts of the Spirit, that the Lord would empower us for preaching the gospel in our generation, for preaching the gospel in this hour of history that we find ourselves living in. And so we, we felt this like we need to be activated in the gifts of the Spirit. We need to focus on them. We need help from on high, right? And so we, we gathered together and we started focusing on this. And, um, and then we've just kind of been led uh, each week in, in different avenues of that. Well, this week I just found myself returning to Romans chapter 12. But not, because we focused on this a few months ago on, on verses 3 through 8 and in 1 Corinthians 12 on like, the gifts of the Spirit, but I really found myself um, in verses 1 and verse 2 of Romans 12, and then, you know, because my Bible, verse 1 and 2 are on this page, and then verses 3 through 8 are on the next page, you know, (laughs) I was just meditating on Romans 1 and 2, and then I flipped my Bible, and I was like, oh! This is right before the gifts of the Spirit and the body of Christ becoming one, so... You know, even a blind squirrel can find a nut at times. Just turn the page and, and read the context that these verses are in. But, so I think, um, so what we're going to go through is, is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. And I kind of want to go through it in, in just three sections. First, verse 1, it's we present ourselves to God. We present our actual physical bodies, our, the, the breath that we breathe, we present it to God as a living sacrifice. And we do that by pursuing holiness and acceptable or worthy living before the Lord. And so that's kind of the first chunk. And then the second chunk is, is verse 2. In that place, we actively push back that that trying the world try the world wants us to conform to its ways and we resist that by the power of the holy spirit and we renew our minds so that we can approve so that we can actually discern what is the perfect acceptable and pleasing will of god okay so that's kind of like step 2 and then the third thing that we want to focus on is is doing this together. So there's an individual, we present our individual body as a living sacrifice, but then verses 3 for 8, we are the body of Christ. And so as we do this individually, 
we also do this together. I need you pursuing and discerning the perfect, acceptable, and pleasing will of God. You need me doing this. And then when we come together and we share and we talk and we pray, we together as the body of Christ discern and and the will of God is revealed in our midst. So that's kind of what's on my heart tonight. And I would say what Mike and I were saying, um, I think yesterday or today, that, that kind of the centerpiece of all this is what is the good and acceptable and pleasing will of God? Perfect will of God. I want to walk in the perfect will of God. Amen? I don't want to get off track and just kind of walk in some of the will of God, but not all of the will of God over here. No, I want the perfect will of God in every area of my life. I want to be aiming for that. So, so I'll kind of go through this just a little bit, just give a few thoughts, and then Mike and Tracy will, will speak into this as well, and, and we might go a few different places. Paul opens up, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Now, I love this phrase, by the mercies of God. This, this I don't have any notes in front of me, so I'm just talking from my heart, but, but this phrase leapt out at me. Uh, this afternoon, that he's appealing to these to these Romans, these Gentile believers, to present themselves to God by the mercies that he's given them. And in Romans 11, in the chapter 4, he talks about this. He said, you've been grafted in to this olive tree, Jesus Christ. You've been grafted into the root that nourishes you, that supports you, that that lifts you up, that gives you life. You were a dead branch on the ground and Christ found you and he grafted you in to the living vine. And he says, and this was the kindness of God showed you the kindness of God. He also talks about unbelieving Israelites who didn't believe in Jesus. And he said, they were removed because of their unbelief. But you've been grafted in because of your faith He says, they've been removed, that's the severity of God, but the kindness of God has grafted you in. And he says, if you continue to stand in that faith, and if you continue in that kindness. So he goes, and this is not any of your own volition, this this was the mercy of God working for you. So so he's making a switch here, he's talking about the mercy of God that they've received in chapter 11, and he says, Oh, and just before it, in chapter 11, he goes, and this is the God who from him and through him and to him are all things. Paul goes into this doxology, this burst of praise in that, yeah, Israel has rejected him, but he's even using that to bring life to the world through the Gentiles receiving. And then the Gentiles, they're going to, they're going to cause, they're going to, by their holy lifestyles, They're going to provoke Israel to jealousy to return to the Lord. And Paul goes, who can think like this? Who plans out things like this? Who can respond like this? And he's like, oh, the depths of the wisdom and the riches of God. And then he goes, and by the way, from him and through him and to him are all things. So that's the context that we're coming out of into Romans 12. And he says, therefore, brothers, I appeal to you by the mercies of God that you've received by the one who is all things and all things are returning to him, he says, present yourself, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And we've heard that verse a lot, but I was just asking the Holy Spirit, take off the callous of my heart, on my heart, concerning this verse. How many of you have heard this verse a lot in your Christian walk? I've heard it a lot. I've heard it preached on a ton. But I was just returning to it, Lord, I don't want to presume that I know what this means in this season. I want this to be alive and active in my heart again. I want to present myself. I want to climb on the altar and say, Lord, have your way. I want to climb on the altar and say, Lord, consume me with your fire again. We were talking about that That. Cons- the, the, how, how the fire of God consumed the offering that Solomon presented in, 
in Second in Second Chronicles, chapter seven. I want that. I want to climb on the altar, Lord. Consume me with that fire, and I want to do it together with the people that are pursuing that. I want us all to be on the altar, being consumed by the fire of God. It's interesting. Paul says, "Hey, but don't climb up on that altar half-heartedly." He says, "I want you to climb up on that altar." living a holy and acceptable life to God. You read the book of Malachi and you go, God, you, 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 they were offering these lame sacrifices to the Lord. And the Lord just says, I, I just wish you would shut the doors. I just wish you would stop this. I am great and I'm worthy of a great sacrifice. The glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. Incense and worship to my name will arise in every nation of the earth. He says, don't give me a half-hearted sacrifice. And I, I, I feel the Lord encouraging us in this verse to say, hey, I want your body as a living sacrifice, but I want that as you're pursuing holiness, as you're pursuing righteousness, and as you are walking before me. I think of that, it says, holy and acceptable to God. I think of that word acceptable as living a life worthy of the sacrifice of Jesus. He gave this great sacrifice. How are we going to respond to that? So we are to present our bodies. We're supposed to present our lives in this season as living sacrifices. And this is what Andrew was touching on this next phrase on Sunday. He said, this is your spiritual worship. I think some of your translations say this is your reasonable worship. To what he's done for you, the mercies he's given you, to live your life as a living sacrifice, it's reasonable. It's logical, the response to do this because of all he's done for you. And so this is our act of worship. It's, it's sacrificial living, laying down our life. I mean, the New Testament talks about it. In so many different ways. It's bearing your cross daily. It is the Abraham and the Isaac. Let's go up to the mountain and worship. Where's the lamb? God will provide a sacrifice. And then Isaac crawls up on that altar. It's Jesus on the cross presenting himself to the Father as the living sacrifice. This is what he's calling us to do in this season. And this is worship. How many of you loved Andrew's sermon on Sunday? I was just touched by it. This is worship. And Paul moves on. He says, so in this posture of presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, he says, do not do this while you're being conformed to the world. Do this while you are resisting, conforming to the culture and the spirit of the age that is trying with all of its might to get your agreement, to get your attention. He says, do not be conformed to the spirit of the age. Do not be conformed to how the world thinks, to how the world reasons. He says, but don't just resist. So we do need to resist. That's a, that's a big part of it. We need to resist. But in our resisting, we also need to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. So I just, I think of this, I'm, I'm constantly resisting the culture. I'm constant, constantly resisting the spirit of the age. And then I'm constantly returning back to the word through the Holy Spirit and prayer and searching and, 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 uh, yeah, searching, that's a, that's a good word. And asking, Lord, I need right thinking. I need to think according to the way the scriptures tell me to think. I need to think by the power of the Holy Spirit. I need your mind. I need to, that Philippians truth, the mind of Christ, to be given to me so that I can do the laying down of my life, the, the, the walking humbly before the Lord. So, we actively resist the world, but then we actively pursue being transformed by the renewal of our mind. And why do we need to do this? So that we can test and discern what is the will of God. 
I think of how Paul, I mean, I just, I'm thinking of this just real quick in Ephesians chapter 5. And we've touched on this a few times. But Paul says in Ephesians 5, 15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He's saying, don't waste your time. Don't be unwise. He says, understand God's will for you. Understand God's will for your family. Understand God's will for the community that he set you in. And that's where Paul's going to go with this. So, just again to recap, we present ourselves to God as living sacrifices. We pursue holiness. We pursue worthy lives. This is worship that he is seeking. We do this as we actively resist being conformed to the spirit of the age. And we actively run to the Lord through the scriptures, through prayer, in worship. And we pursue the renewal of our mind by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that we can understand and discern what the will of God is. I, I feel, I, I have a passion for this right now because we just walked out of a shaking and what we're feeling is that we're walking in to another shaking. Guys, we need to know the will of the Lord. <laughs> we don't need to waste our time with things that aren't the will of God. We need to know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And the only way we're going to enter into that is if we do everything before that. Amen? But then... We could just say, oh, that's great. That's awesome. Let's end there. Let's go home. Let's do the altar call. Let's pray for each other. But Paul says, it's more than just you individually doing this. And then he goes into verses 3 through 8. He, is, he says, it's you as the body of Christ doing this. And I love how he makes this transition. He says, for by the grace God, Given to me, I say to everyone among you, what is he, what's important now? He says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. <laughs> he says, so as you're presenting your body, as you're living holy, as you're discerning the will of God, oh, do it with all humility. And do it in the context of a body. Don't think you have all the answers. Don't think you know the perfect will of God by yourself and no one can can speak into this. No, it does not work like that. It works by submitting yourself to one another. It looks by, by loving one another, by not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. He says, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So, so we... Though many, we are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. I need you. You need me. We need each other to do verses 1 and 2 and then to be humble with each other in verses 3 through 8. Amen? I love how Paul, uh, I'll just, one more thing and then I'll kind of pass it on. He says in verse 6, he says, So we all having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, he says, let us use them. <laughs> I mean, that, that jumped out at me today. I was like, that's so important. Because we all, if we all have the gifts, but we don't use them, then we're not edifying one another, and we're not building each other up in our most holy faith. We're not actively like, no, no, I, I discern that as the will of God. We're not we're not vocalizing our discernment, you know? If we don't rise up and use, according to the grace of God, with humility, the gifts he, have, he has given us, then we're all the weaker for it. Amen? So that just hit me today. And I want to kind of hand it over. I'll pass the ball to Mike and Tracy, and 
And uh, so just any of your thoughts, Mike, as, as you were thinking about this today and we were talking through it. That was good. Um, I'm going to just go real short. And then I want, I feel like Tracy's got some things just to, to release. So um, I think I just want to reiterate <coughs> what Marcus was saying. But I also, I'm going to just read this in another context. I want you to hear this. Uh, I don't know if you have the Passion Version, but sometimes just hearing it in another translation just kind of shakes you up a little bit, like, oh, I haven't heard it like that before. Um, So let me just read this. It says, Beloved friends, uh, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? So first of all, we're saying we're seeing his mercies. It's in the, I won't go into this, but the the mercy seat is the, it's, Look at it as the mercy seat. It's the very place where the sacrifices are. Uh, are and and, and it's, it's the place where uh, his mercies are the very thing that, that allow us to have that covenant relationship with him. It's his love. It's his tender, loving, just his love. So that's his mercies. We see his mercies. You can even replace that with his love. So I encourage you, it says, to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. This becomes your genuine expression of worship. So a lot of times, you know, we still, we always think, hey, we're going to do some worship. What do we do? We sing songs. This isn't referring to singing songs. This is a different type of worship. It's a deeper form of worship. It's a lifestyle of worship. It's, it's, it's actually that sacrificial worship. But I want to I make the point that um, it, when you look at this, it is an acceptable form of worship, which means, and, you, and Marcus alluded to it there in, in uh, Malachi uh, 1 and 3, um, but there is an acceptable form of worship, and there is actually worship to the Lord that is not acceptable. Uh, and and what is acceptable to the Lord is, or I should say what is not acceptable to the Lord is that place of thinking you know what God wants and you just go and you try to do it. Uh, you look at Cain and Abel. You look at, you look at the, the things of old where there is, there's, there's sacrifices done and some God is okay with and some God is not okay with. And the, the key in this is that we actually would know the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. So that's what we're saying is the crux of this. As you know his will, then the sacrifice is actually the obedience. You know where it says uh, with, when you have uh, Saul and, and, uh, and there's the, the verse that says to obey is better than sacrifice. And so there is a place of obedience that he calls us to. If we don't understand his will, we can't really walk in obedience. So I just, I just want to hit this that we would, as we, and, and so what, he gives us this understanding of what to do. So what do you do? Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you were able to test and approve his good, pleasing, and his perfect will. So in that understanding of, of knowing his good, pleasing, and perfect will, now we can actually step into that place of obedient sacrifice with our lives to him of the very thing that he has for us. And in that, that is an acceptable form of worship to him. So kind of you can almost like rearrange, the re-engineer the, the, yeah, the structure. But um, what's that? Recalibrate, yeah. Yeah, Andrew talked about that. Is this is a recalibration of worship? So, um, and then so catch this though in the passion. I love the way this says this. Uh, whereas you know in the NIV it says, "Don't conform to the pattern of this world." We hear it over and over again. But listen to it this way: Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. How often, especially even now with so many things going on, the, the shakings that are happening, but the things of this world that are happening right now, and people are telling you how to respond. People are telling you what to do, what you need to do. Here's the, the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. Stop imitating those things. And what do we do instead of that? It says, but be inwardly 
So this is the key too. A lot of times you think, well, if I just read, like, read my Bible, it's like I can just pound it into me or I'll pound it into Marcus here. <laughs> but it's actual, actually the way this works, the proper way this works is it's an inward transformation, which means that it's not going to happen just by, um, I want to be careful because it it's hearing the word, uh, but, it's, but it's getting it into you and then it's actually by the Holy Spirit. And so it even, it, the way it says it in this translation here, it says, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. So it's the Holy Spirit that actually is the one that convicts us. He's, the, he's our counselor. He's the one that leads us and he guides us. And it's the word, but it's spirit and truth. And so it's actually listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to, to actually shift your mindset. And I'm telling you, now more than ever, this is the time. If we don't get this now, as, as the shakings, these are, I call these the tremors right now. We're in the tremor. <laughs> this, this is not the earthquake that's happening here. If we think, if we think this is it, man, we, are, we have just felt the tremors of what's to come. And is that, you know, I, I think probably over the next 5, 10, 15 years, things are going to really hit us in a deeper way. And if we're not grounded, if we don't have that spiritual understanding of his will and what we need to do in these times, we're going to get caught up in the cultural things. It's going to happen. You're going to get swept away. And so we've got to get ourselves grounded. If you've ever been in the, you know, at the ocean, man, if you're not standing steadfast, standing firm, and you get a big wave that hits you, man, it will knock you down and it will pull you in and it will throw you back around and you want to talk about getting tossed and turned? I've seen people. I was in Mexico, just a side story. And, uh, and there was these big waves, but they'd come like little wave, little wave, little wave. And then all of a sudden, this massive wave would come in and crash. And so we were watching this thing. And, and then we saw like this, uh, this, this couple that kind of went out. And they're walking along the beach. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is not a good situation. And it was little wave, little wave, little wave. And all of a sudden, the big wave hit. And it literally knocked them out off their feet, pulled them into the ocean, and then it was wave after wave, and th we had to go in and ask, actually rescue them and pull them out of the water, and they had lost their clothing. <laughs> it was not a good situation. Um, and, uh, but it was like, I mean, I don't know. They, I don't know if they would have made it. Uh, like, they literally just, it, it was wave after wave hitting them. Humility. Yes, that's humility. And then you're like, you think you can handle the waves. This is that being steadfast, being alert, being like having your mind set in the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and we talk about it, we talk about it, and we say, oh, this is really good. I'm telling you, guys, we have to get this now. Don't wait for the next wave to go, now I'll figure it out. It's going to be, it's too late. You're already, you're upside down, you're spinning around, and you're trying to get your bearings. You got to get grounded now. So that, I just felt like that needs to be hit. And then, and then this is, the, the, the second part of it is, guys, this is, this is not about us. This is not about you individually. This is about the body of Christ, and this is about expanding the kingdom. And so the whole point, he's not saying this just so that you're set and you're good and everything's great. The whole point is what it goes into is because there's a, a role you play in the body of Christ. And if you don't play your role, you actually affect the rest of the body. And so as you go through this, and, and, and the thing I want to point out, I love the, what the, how the passion does this, is every time it talks about a gift, I'm just going to jump down to verse 6. It says, God's marvel, marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. Not for us, though. The whole point is, is it's, it says, so if you've been given the grace gift, and this is what I love, it, it, it doesn't use just gift here, but it says grace gift. Because everything that we have, these gifts that we have, they're not because how, we're amazing. We're, they're not because we've like, got it figured out. It's by the grace of God that we have these things, and they're amazing gifts but again, but they're not for us. It's not, hey, it's not to puff us up and go, look what we have. It's actually to pour it out so that we can give this gift to others, so that we can actually give of our lives to others. And so it's that, and so if you have the grace gift of prophecy, 
you must activate your gift using the proportion of faith that you have to prophesy. So how do we activate it? We actually activate it with our faith. When we, when we operate in a place of faith, it activates, activates the grace that we have. We've talked about this. And, and we move into the giftings that we have. So our faith is important. It activates the grace that we have. And the gifts are so that the body of Christ can be strengthened. So each one of you, here's the point. Don't sit back. Don't think that you don't have to play your part. You actually have to play your part for the body of Christ to be like in the fullness and operating fully. When you miss out, we're all missing out. When you don't play your part, we're all missing out on, on what you have to play. Does that make sense? You guys get that? Like, and then there's that part, like it's, you can tie this into 1 Corinthians 12. It's just that, how can, the, how can the eye say to the hand, I have no need of you? How can the head say to the foot, I don't need you? We actually need the other parts. But then there's another part of that that it says that don't think that you don't play your part. I can't remember how that says that. But, um, it, but it's, it's a, there's two sides to it. One, don't say that you don't need someone else. Don't think that you can do it alone. That's the other thing. And that's that place of pride sometimes where we go, I've got this. I know the scriptures. I don't need anybody else to come alongside me. I can figure this out on my own. The way the Lord set it up, the way God has set it up by his Holy Spirit is that he gives each, he imparts gifts through his grace to each one of us so that we actually have to work together. <laughs> he requires that we work together. And I, and I feel like now more than ever, I shared this on Monday, um, we had a gathering, it was called, it's the 400 gathering with pastors and leaders across Colorado. And, and I felt like the Lord was just saying, there are seasons uh, in just natural seasons, there are seasons in, uh, where you do not need to water grass. It will, it will thrive without you watering it. And, and I felt like the Lord was saying, but, I'm, but that is not this season. This is a season where you actually need to water the grass. And the watering of the grass is actually the unity of the body of Christ. There is a require, he is requiring in this season that we actually come into unity into a greater unity. And, and I was referring to churches, like coming into unity, but I feel like it's the body of Christ as well. It's us. If we think we can do it alone, this is, these are the times when, when the waves are going to hit and you're going to get knocked out. Your feet are going to get knocked out from under you, and, man, we're going to have to come in and, and rescue you because you're, you're thinking you can do it on your own. Don't think you can do it on your own. We need each other. We need the body of Christ. God set it up that way by his spirit that we each have these gifts. So play your part for others to strengthen the body of Christ and realize that you need others. All right? Yeah, pass it off to Trace. Yeah, amen. Wow. Yeah, we had a, wow, we had an amazing time in, <laughs> in the back room, by the way. I'm still a little, still drifting here a little bit, so hang with me. <laughs> oh, wow. Um. I love all the scripture, by the way. Not all scripture, but in particular the scripture tonight. I uh, I always think whenever I've read this 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 verse, I love how Marcus and his gift of teaching and how he packages things to deliver them um, from the word. It just allows me anyway to just like draw a picture in my mind of what that the word looks like, and he's, I just want to honor that gift in you to. Because when your passion comes out and you start to draw a line, it's almost like you're sketching, if you will. You're sketching the word. And it's almost like it comes into vision, like it comes into uh, illumination or into vision as you speak it out. So I just want to honor that gift in you. That's beautiful. Amen? I sketch with, <laughs> <laughs> with your seven, is it seven point? Seven. Okay, seven point. Okay. I, I was taking notes, by the way. That's what I was typing over here. <laughs> Note to self. Uh, I'm not going to be long. I'm, uh, well, I might be. You never know. But, um, but on, on the, the portion of just scripture here, I'm just going to... Every time I've looked at 12.1, and it says, um, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I don't know why, but my mind instantly goes to like sacrifice in the natural and the sacrifice of our bodies and 
for those of you that do know me, I, I played college ball and then and then I played rugby professionally. But um, um, and literally, I, <laughs> your body is a little bit. Jr. played some rugby as well. Uh, he's one of my mates. So, um, but um, but yeah, I, it's a living sacrifice. Literally, when you step on the field, um, <laughs> you're wondering where the slaughter is going to come from. <laughs> some days when you step on the field. So all that to say, I um, this this always reminds me of that. Um, the beauty the beauty of that is that is that we're a living sacrifice, and after we get over the physical portion of it, and we can think in the spiritual. You know, the Old Testament. I made just a few notes here. In the Old Testament, um, sacrifice looked like ash cloth or sackcloth ashes, and it was always for atonement. But here's the key: it was always it, it always required death. It always required death, all Old Testament uh, sacrifice. But in the New Testament, as we're actually reading in the first uh, verse of, of Romans 12, it says that we're a living sacrifice. So thank God for, for that. Um, I, what I really love about number two, and I had some notes in my olive tree about, about this, about alignment with, with uh, chapter two or uh, verse two. And it was, uh, it was this, as I read it, do not conform to the patterns of this world. In other words, don't align yourself with the patterns of this world. Don't align yourself horizontally with the things that live in the first heaven right here where we're operating day in and day out. It goes on to say, but, we, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And by this transforming of the mind, then we have, we, we have the ability to, to be able to test and approve that God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. So within the renewing of the mind, we have a different mindset of alignment that goes vertical, right? And as we get that vertical alignment, then we're allowed to be, then we're allowed to, to walk into God's perfect will. And I, I might have mentioned it, um, uh, you know, several Wednesdays ago, but, but you know, just... I'd rather be in God's perfect will, right in the center of the target, not in his submissive will or his permissive will, where you're sitting on the fringe and God's got to sprinkle his grace fairy dust over you <laughs> every day and you wake up uh, needing a, a new cup of grace, which I know he promises and he knows, I know our mercies are new every day, but it's always good when you can wake up and not have to, uh, to go directly to the cup, um, if you know what I mean. So um, maybe I'll share a testimony. Is that okay? I, I just thought maybe I'd kind of tie this together because one of my other notes was um, it, it had in my olive tree. This is from uh, several years ago. Preparation leads to participation. In other words, one, verse 1 and verse 2 are preparation verses. That's where we're preparing ourselves. And then in, in verses 3 through 8, we're allowed to participate in the unity of the body, not only to advance the kingdom, but to in unity with the body, not only to bless not to bless the, just the body of Christ, but also be a blessing to write and minister unto the Lord in, in the midst of it as we, as we walk forth in unity. And I think God commands that. I mean, Psalm 133 says it, that he commands the blessing when we, we come together in unity. And um, I think that that's super, super powerful. Um, I thought it may, I, what I'd do is I, I just wanted to share a story. I, as I thought about like a living sacrifice and I want to, I think about football and rugby, I think about training and just the countless hours of training that we put in. I mean, Mike wrestled rugby, there's football. I mean, we all at one level have trained for something, but, um, but I, I go to this like training thing, you know, I, I just instantly, my mind goes there when I start thinking about sacrifice as well. And, um, and the, after I got it, I'll start there. When I had a radical encounter with God, I remember for four years straight, I woke up every single morning and God spoke this, training day. That's all I heard every single morning, training day. Woke up the next morning, training day. For four years, that's all, that's all I heard. And I remember I woke up one morning and he said, boot camp is over. <laughs> And I, I, I wept. I literally, I sat there and I laid in bed and I wept for probably 30 minutes because for four years, all I heard was training day, training day, training day. I think this is, looks like this living sacrifice 
to have every day be training day. When we wake up day in and day out and die to ourselves and we say, okay, God, what do you have for me today to train for, to train in, to train through, to train about, whatever it looks like. And it was, as you guys know, some, some of you know my story, um, and there are some radical things that take place in the midst of that. Soon after he spoke this, though, um, I was the, the church I was helping pastor at the time, the lead pastor um, was, felt called back to uh, go back to, uh, to Florida uh, where, he played, uh, where he played NFL football. And, um, and it was a logical step for me, and I'd been in business all this time and an entrepreneur, but um, it was a logical step for me to take the church over. And I was still in the running, doing marketplace ministry, but heavily in, had several different businesses and companies, and I was in, in the midst of it, pastoring and uh, eldering, et cetera. And so I, I remember he, um, the pastor, lead pastor coming to me, he goes, well, and I go, well, let me pray about it. And I remember the Lord, he just went crickets on me. He went totally silent. Like all the times I've heard the Lord, so easy to hear the Lord, right? <laughs> Isn't it amazing? I know I'm not just speaking for myself here. Like there are times that no word is the word. Like silence is literally the word. And that's what it was in this case. I could feel it in my spirit instantaneously, just felt it. Didn't even need to speak. He didn't speak one thing. And, uh, and, and God in that season spoke three things. He, uh, he said, um, he said, I want to unravel you from your liabilities. And so I, there was a lot of businesses. I had some liabilities in some and others I didn't. But he started giving me a, a, an entire blueprint on how to unravel myself from all of my business. I merged a couple. One I gave away. There's testimonies behind all of these. But all that to say, the second thing he spoke was he says, I'm going to send them to you. And I'm like, who are you going to send to me, God? And he said, the millennials. <laughs> Now, you have to understand, and the Gen Zers, he said the millennials first, and then later he said the, the Gen Zers as well. But he said the millennials, and I, and I go, God, you know that millennials drive me bonkers. They drive me nuts. And I'm like, ah, oh. and I'm like, I've hired so many of them, and, I've, oh. and I'm like in the midst of this thing, and I'm like, ah. Oh. Here, this is, this is how the Lord though, changes our heart. This is how he transforms our heart. The very scripture we're talking about, guys, this is exactly it. This is what I'm speaking to. And he, and he says, I'm going to send them to you. And, and he said, I said, who? And he goes, millennial. And I'm like, I'm pleading with God. And I'm like, no, God, send me the, the early Xers or the, the late Xers or send me the baby boomers. Or, um, but he sent me, and, 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 and it was all in the startup world. And I had within two weeks, guys, the, the, within two weeks, and I had, I had not been down. I had mentored a lot of business, consulted, done a lot of things. But literally, I had nearly three dozen millennials and Gen Zers call me, text me, show up at my business, place of business. I, I offered, they were coming from like all angles. God sent them. I, I kid you not. He sent them. And then I, and some of them needed practical business sense. Some of them needed fathers or spiritual fathers. And yet others just needed to know how to tie their shoes in the morning. And, and I walked, I was walking with nearly two to three dozen of these, these youngsters. And, um, and, 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 and the, but the third thing he spoke to me, and this is all overlapping one over, over the other. He said, I'm going to thrust you back in. And this is where it all began, where I said, when he went crickets and I said no to leading and, 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 and going into full-time ministry, um, he had a different plan for me. And this is what he meant. He, he was, I'm going to thrust you back in. And I knew he was talking about marketplace. I knew he was talking about business, but it looked different. It looked different than it looked before um, when it was all about me many, many, many years before. And um, I would go into business meetings and, and I'm like household names, athletes in town that have played for our professional sports teams and all is up and down the board. And, and I remember I would walk into some of these meetings and I was thinking it was about business. And I walk in within five minutes, the conversation would go, yeah, my marriage is on the rocks or I'm, I'm having struggles here. I'm having, and like, I would sit in these coffee meetings or like these lunch meetings for two, three. I remember one almost seven hours later. Like we, we sat from breakfast 
we, we stayed there for lunch, and we were there almost at dinner time still. And I remember our waitress, I finally let her go, and I gave her a huge tip, and I, I felt horrible. But, but God said, I'm, he said, I'm going to thrust you back in. What he was thrusting me into was marketplace ministry, which is where he wanted me. All that to say, he, he thrust me into a lot of different uh, venues and a lot of different um, a lot of different sectors of business, especially the startup community. Um, I'll share one particular story and just in him training us, and I know we're, we're short on time here. Let me, go let ahead. me break in and just, yeah. so the pastor asks you to take over the church, yeah. and you say, let me pray about it. Yes. And so you could have just assumed, oh, that's the will of God. Yeah. You could have just stepped right in and, and done it, you know, and, and been like, well, that's the next logical step. But you stepped back and said, let me pray about it. Yeah. And the Lord started to speak these three things to you. Yes. And say, this actually isn't yeah. the perfect will for you. Yeah. I have something else for you. Yeah. I think that's very key to take away from, from that. Present, I mean, read the life of David. He inquires of the Lord but almost before every battle, before everything he does. Lord, should I do this? Lord, what's your will? Lord, his wife and children have been taken from him. And he inquires of the Lord, Lord, should I go after them? Lord, will you give us success in battle? I mean, I'm just, as you were hearing, as you were saying that, I was just thinking of the importance of taking our daily decisions to God. Not just the big moments, but the little moments. The, Lord, should I do this? Lord, should we do that? Lord, should we make this decision? And training ourselves to discern the, the will of God in small ways so that we are actually, we have the muscles built so that when the big things hit, oh, Lord, what should we do? We ask the question. And we practice asking the question daily. So I just wanted to tie those two things together. Do that. Before you go on. You just sketched for I me. Mean, I just watched you draw <laughs> with your seven-point pencil, by the way. Pencil. I watched it so closely. It was wonderful and beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, which leads me to the ne- uh, into this this next point. And this I, I want to make a, a real um, make a point here. I, I'm getting there. Um, the Lord led uh, led me through a whole series of things, and Mike knows most of these stories because he was in the week where everything kind of one cl- door closed, another one opened, which took me into the tech world. And I'm my background was always healthcare, sports performance, and other things. And the fact that I couldn't turn my computer on 10 years ago and all of a sudden he opens his door up into the tech world, in the cybersecurity world, was like beyond me. That's how I like knew it was God. And and I was having revelation all the way through this. Well, it took me to Silicon Valley. And I, I remember, I um, uh, and I've shared this, I think, with some of you. Maybe I, I don't think I've shared it publicly. But um, I, I went through almost two years where, out in Silicon Valley where uh, ministering and doing lots of different things within the, the prayer groups at Facebook and Google and, um, and uh, LinkedIn, um, Uber, I mean, all, Twitter, uh, you, all of them. And um, um, for the sake of privacy, I won't name which one it is, but I was in, I was in uh, the Bay Area. And I remember um, I was going to a meeting at this large tech company, one of the ones I, I just mentioned, by the way. <laughs> um, and I remember walking in um, to this meeting, and it was a prayer meeting. And, um, and I know you guys are thinking, okay, all those big tech companies you just mentioned, and you said prayer meeting. And I'm sitting, and they're like, do those go together? And I thought the exact same thing. They're actually called ERGs. I've been out of the corporate world way too long. Employee resource group. You actually put an application in for a Christian prayer group, and you, get, you know, they say yes, okay, checkbox, and there you go. Now, that doesn't mean there's not a Hindu meditation group and a badminton club, and a, right? It's an employee resource group for a reason. But I'll take our Christian prayer groups in all of those, all these major tech companies in the Bay Area any day of the week uh, over some of the other employee resource groups. Um, I remember walking into this room, and there was a long conference table. And I remember this wall looking, it was all glass. And um, it was like that two-way glass, like when they're interrogating people and you can't see through it. It looked like that. And I even looked at it trying to like, thinking like there was someone like on the other side of this glass, like looking at me. And I'm, I'm not sure how to look. And I'm kind of, and I'm not sure what it is, but the, the prayer group starts, or it's getting close to starting. And then all of a sudden, these TV screens started popping up, up on this, this glass wall. And sure enough, and then I realized it was all video screens. And it was different ones. And they all started, and what it was, was 
all of the headquarters in all of the countries and the continents from around the globe for this worldwide large uh, tech company. Um, and, um, and I remember them all popping up, and then there was a number in the top left corner, and I remember even asking uh, my friend who's a pastor he, uh, in the Silicon Valley in, uh, in Sunnyvale. I said, hey, what's the number? And he goes, hey, that, it's called like auto-translate or something. He said, you just say the number, and it knows exactly what you're speaking because there was different races and different colors of all these people on there, and I knew it was different countries. But he's like, just say the number, and it will know the screen you're speaking to, and it auto-translates in when you speak. And then when they speak back, it'll speak back in English, right? And I'm like, oh, perfect. Wow, technology's rocks. So I remember being in this, in this prayer, and, and the, Lord, the, the Lord started to speak, and the, and the Spirit um, dropped in this room. And I remember standing up, and I started to prophesy to, um, to, to, to all these screens. And I remember one, and I remember Tokyo, and I remember London, which is English anyway. I remember Singapore, and I remember Australia. They were, they were all up, but I remember some of them didn't need to be translated. But I remember this. I remember speaking the number, and I remember prophesying, and I remember people in the rooms and in these large gatherings. I remember the, um, them, they started to get touched by the prophetic word. I mean, I was even singling people out like you on the long end of the table on the right-hand side with the white shirt. And I mean, and I was in the spirit of prophecy. It was in, in, in a full measure. And I remember people started falling out. I like this little, I wasn't even, obviously I'm not laying hands on them. <laughs> I'm 10,000 miles away, but I remember people started falling out in some of these rooms and I kept prophesying. I remember at this very moment, and this was the point I'm going to make. I remember at that very moment standing there and I'm on the top floor in downtown San Francisco um, of one of the largest tech companies in the world. And I remember looking down at my feet and looking back up at the screen and the Lord remind me, he said, I told you, you'd be, you'd prophesy to nations. And it just hit me. And he spoke that just before he spoke these three things that I just mentioned. The, I want to unravel you. I'm going to send them to you and I'm going to thrust you back in. Just before he spoke those three things, about six months before that, he had said, you will prophesy to nations. Little did I know that I would not be in the nation. I would actually be standing on the top floor of, of a major headquarter in the middle of San Francisco prophesying once again to nations. Again, if I wouldn't have woke up, and this is my point, if I wouldn't have woke up day in and day out to hear the Lord say training day, and I wouldn't not have made myself a living sacrifice day in and day out to advance the kingdom, none of that, or even at that, with, that, with that in mind, the, the fact of just being obedient to step in and not go into full-time ministry, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just knew that it wasn't where God was calling me. And if I would have just not have been obedient to any of that, I would have ended up not there, that's for sure, but I probably would have ended up in a, in a, in a much different place. So again, I just wanted to kind of tie all that back together and take it back to kind of to, to ground zero and, and, uh, and uh, kind of tie that scripture back into it as well. Does that make sense? Okay. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Lord. All right. Yeah. Let's do this. There's only uh, just a little time left here. Um, instead of getting into like our larger groups, I just want to get into maybe grab just two or three people around you, three or four people. I would say groups probably no more than four so anywhere from three to four. <laughs> uh, and uh, let's just do this. Uh, we, you just heard kind of these three things. I feel like the first step is that we would really begin to understand the will of God. That we would know his good, pleasing, and his perfect will. And so, and, and here's the thing. I want, we want to pray over each other for this. this there's something powerful about about praying this over each other. So praying that we would know his good, pleasing, perfect will. And then out of that, that we would be that living sacrifice, that this is that place of actually putting those things into practice, the very things that we're supposed to do. This is that living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him, the acceptable form of worship. And then also the third part is just the, the grace that we're to walk in. Um, this, the grace gifts that we're actually intended to have. And in that, 
as we as we walk in those grace gifts that we begin those are the things that actually empower the body of Christ we do this together we do it as one we do it as the body of Christ so let's we've got about I think 10 minutes before you have to pick up kids uh, so why don't we gather together I guess I mean just keep the groups fairly small my point is is don't if we do two larger groups you kind of lose that that intimate just that that prayer time together so oh they did already ask for oh well go get your kids <laughs> I thought it was quarter till I don't know okay so you can go get your kids you can come back um, but why don't we uh, why don't we just kind of break up into groups right now and just uh, pray so grab Get with the people around you. Uh, let's pray into these things. And, and this is an important season that we're in. Let's, let's get this established now. Let's get grounded now. Uh, let's get this understanding of what the Lord has for us. And then uh, let's live it out. Let's be the living sacrifice. And then let's do this as a body. 